Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Amanda Bible Williams, and friends, today is an episode for the books. This is a great one. Our dear friend, Anne Voskamp, is here with us today. Many of you know and love Anne already. If you do not know Anne, she's the wife of a farmer. She's a mom of seven kiddos, and she is such a gifted writer. She has written four, that's right, four New York Times bestsellers, one of which has sold a casual one and a half million copies. That one is 1,000 Gifts, A Dare to Live Fully Right Where You Are. She actually has a new book coming out this spring called Wayfinder, Finding the Way When There Seems to Be No Way. That book can't come soon enough. I cannot wait. Anne is just a gift. She's a gift to the church. This conversation is going to be a gift to our community. She just blesses me so much, and I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. Without further ado, this is my conversation on John Week 3 with Anne Voskamp. Anne Voskamp is here. Anne, welcome. I am so, so, so grateful to be with you, Amanda Bible Williams. Oh, my goodness. I am very sad that my buddy is not here, but I am very happy that you're here. Oh, I'm praying for Rachel, and yes, we are missing. Well, we just adore you. We have looked forward to the day that we would get to have a conversation with you for our listeners and just excited that it's about the book of John. You and I were just saying the book of John is, it's so rich that it's Mm. almost, I don't even know the words for it. Well, I texted you early this morning and said, I've never been so excited to come onto a podcast (laughs) because like, we're sitting here with God's word and it is Uh so rich and so good. And you can just sit with every verse. I mean, it's staying in the story that's the truest, realest story of all time. Like it's it's all real. I was just, my heart was exploding as I was sitting here preparing. So it's the capital S story and it's our favorite story, right? Oh, it's so good. Well, listeners, we are in our John series. So, so, and we started the new year in the book of John, and here we are three weeks in. And so this is John week three. Last week, we talked about chapters five-ish through eight with Jeannie Cunyon, and we had oh. a lot of, oh, it was so good. It was so encouraging. I think she and I needed that conversation more than we knew that we had tears before we even hit record and we we're like we've got to we got to get ourselves together <laughs> if we're going to have this conversation but this week we're going to just continue in these stories there's just so much talk of you know the key question is who is Jesus who is this guy <laughs> and John the way that he lays out this gospel account is he is just making it clear clearer and clearer and clearer that Jesus is actually the Son of God. And so it's just so fun to watch all of these dots connect. But I think we should just dive right in because there's some good stuff this week. So we're going to start, everyone. We are on day 15. If you're listening to this on the day it releases on Monday, we're on day 15 of our reading plan, and we're in the middle of John chapter 8. And just some really like home run verses in this little passage. Would you start us out by reading for us? Let's do John 8 verses 31 through 38. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, 
if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We are descendants of Abraham, they answered him. And we've never been enslaved to anyone. (laughs) How can you say you will be free? Jesus responded, truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you really will be free. I know you are descendants of Abraham, but you are trying to kill me because my word has no place among you. I speak what I have seen in the presence of the Father. So then, you do what you have heard from your Father. See, do you know what I noticed in reading this this time? I read it again just this morning, and where, where they say, we've never been enslaved to anyone. And it reminds me of there are so many little little nuggets like this in John where everyone is just or the people involved are just completely mm. missing the point. And it's not, you know, they're not throwing any shade at them. Like it's just Jesus, he is speaking in kingdom terms and we don't yes. know those, right? Like yes. we're he has to teach us. And so it's these moments of misunderstanding where he brings understanding and teaches. And so it reminds me of Jeannie and I talked about this last week too, how, you know, Nicodemus was saying like, how am I supposed to be born again? Like in the Samaritan woman, when he offers water, she's like, you don't have a bucket. Hey, you don't have water to give me, you know? And then these, these Jewish people who are speaking to him are like, we're descendants of Abraham. We've never been enslaved. And he's like, ah, let me explain. (laughs) Let me explain. Yeah. And the entire concept of What is actual freedom? And what does that actually mean Mm -hmm. to be free? And really, though, we're all enslaved to something. We're all in bondage to something. And when you go back to the Old Testament, you see how the Israelites, the people of God, the children of God, were enslaved to Pharaoh, in Mm -hmm. bondage to Pharaoh. He splits that Red Sea, which is actually a type and a figure of who Christ is to us. He is the one who makes the way out for us, but he's taking us out of bondage to bonding. It goes on here. Oh, that's uh, good. Yeah, we're being enslaved now to righteousness. So so we as human beings, we are going to be enslaved either in bondage Mm -hmm. or in bonding to Christ. It was deeply convicting to read this. I think I have been a slave to sin in my life. But because of the the sacrificial atonement of Christ on the cross, mm-hmm. I now am free from the bondage to sin. But now I am a bond servant. I'm a bond slave. I'm in bonding to Christ. Now I am called, if I'm going to stay in His Word, abide in His Word, abide coming from that word abode, like live in His Word. Yes. That means then I'm enslaved to righteousness, which is ultimately freedom. That's right. That's right. That is freedom. We were speaking last week about how God's presence, the psalm that says God's presence is our good, that Mm. it's not just that, oh, His presence leads to abundance. Yes, but more than that, His presence is the abundance, right? Yes, exactly. And that presence with Him that is our good, that presence can be in the darkest valley. 
Oh, it yes. can be in the deepest grief. I don't. When he releases us from the bondage of Egypt, takes us across that Red Sea, the promised land is Christ himself. The promised land mm-hmm. is his presence. Mm-hmm. He is our greatest good. That's <laughs> so right. So in him, we are free to live without regrets. We are free to serve other people. The ultimate freedom is found being in Christ himself. That's right. That's right. Gosh, yes, yes, yes. And this word, you know, the phrase, the word and my word, it comes up, well, twice in what you read, and then it keeps going, you know, where he says, like, why don't you understand what I say? Because you cannot listen to my word. word. We, of course, as she reads truth, we are women in the word of God every day. And so we're talking about scripture, but there are different meanings. You know, this phrase or the word and my word has a few different meanings in scripture. And so in this way, in this particular instance, it's exactly what, you know, you touched on it earlier, that this is more of a, the way of God. Like it's not Mm -hmm. only, it's not limited, you know, it's not just the scripture itself, but it's Jesus's instructions and teaching, the way Mm -hmm. of Jesus. And you're exactly right. Like, so to be in the word and continue in the word means to live in it, live in God's way. And living in God's word is a way that we do that as in scripture, right? Isn't that powerful? That's so powerful. That living in his word Christ calls us to abide in Him, to make our home in Him in the way we do that. He Himself is the Word. So how are Mm -hmm. we staying in the Word and living in the Word? And that looks like leaving the Psalms, a Psalter, right there by the coffee machine. So every time I go ahead and having my Bible out on the coffee table. And when I go ahead and do my makeup in the morning, am I listening to Scripture? Like having these these touch points throughout the day so that I'm not Mm -hmm. just compartmentalizing His Word to... 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes early in the morning. But how am I abiding in Christ, abiding, continuing throughout my day in His Word? If I really want bonding to Mm -hmm. Christ, what does attachment look like? That means coming back to your safe base all of the time, which means coming back to His Word over and over and over again through the day. So it's easy on my phone. Wait, don't go to Instagram. Can Why I, do I automatically wait, click that icon every right, time I pick right. up my phone? So I've, been, I've been really working on like set times of prayer that I don't, when I open up my phone, my default is to go into like the dwell app or go into the prayer app. Like where's mm-hmm. my default where that I go to that he is my home that I go to? Because I, it says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If I really want to know truth, where am I abiding? Because well, I mean, you know what, Amanda, everything ultimately is shaping and forming us. Yes. Everything is formational. So do I want his word to form my my heart and my mind and my thoughts? Or do I want social media? Or do I want some screen? Or everything is forming me. And I want to live mm-hmm. cruciformational. I want to live shaped and formed by yes. Christ himself. I can only do that if I'm living in this word. Right, right. You know, this, it just comes up in, I feel like every conversation I have <laughs> mm-hmm. lately this particular real life example comes up, phones, and it keeps coming up in every conversation recently because it's exactly what you just said. We are being formed and mm-hmm. we're smart people. Humans mm-hmm. are smart people. We know mm-hmm. that. We can tell mm-hmm. that, you know, my, I can tell that my behavior is being formed into something that I did not intend. 
Mm-hmm. And so therefore, I have to kind of rework it. You know, it makes me want to, what you just said about your, like, your prayer app and your dwell app and, you know, our She Reads Truth apps. Like, it makes me want to only put those on my homepage. So good. So, so that good. I have to swipe. I'm going to try yes. it. But here's the problem, because I did that. I took Instagram off of my home screen, and then you have to go, like, you have to keep swiping to get to, like, your full list. Yeah, yeah. So now my automatic is to swipe, 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 instead of, it's like we just figure, or your brains, our brains are like, it's fine, I can rewire. <laughs> I actually, I've been carrying around, I think by my, um, on the coffee table, I carry around a teeny tiny little Bible, because I think mm-hmm. if I can remember to carry my phone everywhere, why can't I remember it? Like, so I've been sticking my phone right into this little small Bible. So my phone is being carried in my Bible. So that, so that oh, right? So yes. I'm thinking like, I'm trying to fight back because those great, brilliant people in Silicon Valley know what they're doing. <laughs> they do know what they're doing. <laughs> to, to, to suck you into a vortex. This morning, we're sitting here with the book of John. What could be more... It was so rich. So rich. Yes. And I when mean, you would, texted me, I was yes, doing the exact same thing yes. on the other side of, you know, the country. Like you're in Canada. I'm down here. <laughs> and you realize like when you walk away from whatever has sucked you in on a screen, how fulfilling is it ultimately? And every single time the word itself, you think like mm-hmm. you are rich, you are full, like you have tasted manna and grace to continue right. on. It's what makes you strong for the next hundred miles. So I think, what can we keep doing to say, you know what? I want to continue in his word. I want to abide yeah. in his word because that's where I find truth. That's where I mm-hmm. know him. And as we read on in those chapters of John, yes. the sheep know his voice. The sheep How know do his I voice. know his voice if I'm listening to all the other voices all the time? Absolutely. And there are people listening right now, Anne, who feel such relief and freedom hearing your your honesty is a gift because mm. to know that you know, love and admire you so much. Your ministry is so powerful. So many people have been, you know, God has used your obedience and your words to to work in the hearts of mm. millions of people. And and I understand that, like, that's the last thing you want to yeah, talk about yeah. because <laughs> I know how that makes you feel. Um, because I know you well enough to know how that makes you feel. But here's the thing. To know that for you, this is not just, oh, this is just my life now. This is so easy. I Mm-mm. Everything is, you know, Instagram worthy and lovely. You're like, no, actually, this is still a discipline that I choose to do. And yes. sometimes I have to fight so hard for it that I have to actually like trick myself <laughs> yes. into it's true. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've been listening to a book all about habits and how much of our habits we think we have to just determine it from our motivation, mm-hmm. which is really actually our flesh is a biblical way of saying it. Right. When in actual fact, so much is determined by um, our environment. I mean, because, yes. because we are all human. We are all weak. We are all made of flesh and blood. So we are all tempted in all kinds of ways. And, and screens, I mean, they design them to be addictive. They design right. them so that they are formational. So all of us have to say, like, how do I go ahead and change my environment? And for me, that has been making sure the book of Psalms is there at the coffee yeah. machine. And I have the Bible yeah. out here. And all of these, and the practices of we never leave the table in the evening until we've read scripture, real living bread around mm-hmm. the table together. Because it's these formational practices that are to say, like, I want Jesus' word to form me so that I hear his voice. 
and not the world's voice, which is, I mean, you know what, Amanda, is know, so, yeah. so loud. It's so loud. And, you know, one minute it woos us and the next minute it, you know, offends or berates or, you know, <laughs> breaks us down. Like, it's just, there's nowhere to go. It's like what Peter said, where else would we go? Yes. You know, that we read that yes. last week. Where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. That right there, Amanda. Where else would we go? Why would I want to go to a social media stream or Mm -hmm. this headline or this tab or this click? How often am I saying, I wanted to return to your word, Lord. Speak Mm -hmm. truth to me, Lord, so that I know your voice. I mean, it goes on and says, but I do know him and I keep his word. How can I keep his word if I don't keep opening my Bible, if I don't keep staying in story capital S? Otherwise, I I'm not listening to him. How do I know how to trust him? How do I know how to obey him? It all comes from the word himself breathed life into us. We are more than cell and water. We are his story and we are made of the word. Our home is in this book. That's right. Our home is in this book. I love that. And it's true. And it may not, you know, if you're new to Bible reading, it may feel a little unfamiliar at first, but I mean, it feels that way when you move <laughs> to a new house too, right? <laughs> so like, good. and there's no other. Like the Book of John is so accessible. Like, I mean, it's a yeah, beautiful. It's book a beautiful. Yeah. To begin a new year, to say this, I really, I want Jesus. The Book of John is this. I mean, he says, I am the door. He is the door. He is the welcome. Mm -hmm. He is the gate who ushers us in. Yes, yes. Oh, that's so, so good. I really want to get to that passage about the Good Shepherd. We get to read that this week. I do want, just as we kind of, we're going to breeze past day 16, which is Tuesday, just a little. But there is... Oh, right? Wow. uh, We're going to have to, before we get to the shepherd, (laughs) before we get to the Good Shepherd, this man... Yes. That Jesus heals, which we have a lot of healings in the book of John, right? And thank you, Lord, for giving us these beautiful stories of Mm. healing. But there's something really interesting that happens, and it kind of keeps going. I mean, it's a lot of this, let's see, is it all of chapter 9? It is. It's all of chapter 9 is kind of this healing and then the talk that flows from it. But I'm going to read just this beginning of this story, and there's something I want us to talk about before we move on. This is John chapter 9, starting in verse Mm -hmm. 1. As he, Jesus, was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this Mm -hmm. man Mm -hmm. or his parents, that he was born blind? So there's an assumption here that this man's blindness is coming from somebody's sin. It's a consequence, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. Mm -hmm. We must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. There he says it again. After he said these things, he spit on the ground and made some mud from the saliva, and he spread the mud on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he left, washed, and came back seeing. Now this causes a big ruckus (laughs) because, you know, the man just goes about his business and everybody notices. Wait a minute you can see how and he says this man named jesus gave me my sight 
And of course, Jesus did this on the Sabbath, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. which I just love. It was not an accident. And so there's more and more discussion about, you know, who is Jesus? But the thing that is so interesting here to me is this equivalency that's made mm-hmm. between yes. suffering and sin. And I don't know, Anne, what do you think? I feel like this is something that we would go, oh, what a silly thing to think that suffering is a direct consequence of something that we've done. And, you know, and sometimes it is. Sometimes bad choices sometimes bring bring suffering. Yes. But yes. I just, the thing that resonates is that we want so badly for there to be a reason for suffering. Oh, right. So we want to know so badly the reason for the suffering. I wonder if that comes from a place, Amanda, of us wanting to be like God, that we oh, want to know the I'm answers. Sure it does. We, yeah. As opposed to, it requires deep humility to sit in a place of mystery, mm-hmm. to know I don't understand the reason for the suffering, but I'm not God. He's God. I trust that He's good. I trust mm-hmm. that He's. He's kind, even in the midst of the suffering. And I've been studying um, from Romans that we are His children if we participate in the sufferings of Christ. And it's so striking when you think of it that that causes you to shift and rewrite what you think a good life is. Yeah, <laughs> Scripture asks us to shift our perspective. Mm-hmm. And we don't need to know the reasons behind suffering or necessarily to always connect suffering equals sin, suffering equals something that someone has done, as opposed to God is on the throne. I'm in a place of humility. I will sit with the mystery of suffering. My responsibility is to pick up my cross. My responsibility is to help someone else carry their cross and carry their burdens. My responsibility is come alongside someone in their suffering, participate in the sufferings of Christ, and in doing so, alleviate someone else in their hurt and pain. Yeah, yeah. I love that picture because, you know, what we want to say when someone is suffering is we want to say it's going to be okay. Mm. (laughs) And there are ways in which that statement is always true for the believer, right? Ultimately, Ultimately. (laughs) when Jesus comes back, (laughs) it's going to be okay. I just say, like, we are always soul safe. Like, in Christ, our soul is safe. Oh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. I just, I keep going, my soul is safe. My soul is safe. I'm soul safe, but you're right, Amanda. Right. Here and now, it doesn't feel that way. That's right. This challenged me. I've thought a lot about suffering and I don't have it all figured out, but. The thing that continues to challenge me is how, as believers, we are called to hold both truths close. Like, it is true that, I mean, Jesus said this came about so that, anytime Jesus uses a so that, or or one of the, you know, New Testament writers, something like so that, you know, you're like, oh, you're actually giving me the answer to the test right now. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. So Jesus is giving us a reason for the man's suffering. Now, is it the only reason? Like you just said, I'm we're not God. We mm-hmm. don't know. And we can't even pretend to know. So, but we do know that this is a thing that God does with suffering, that he redeems it, that he displays his glory, that he he is near, like you said earlier, he's in the valleys. You know, yes. our friend Ellie has all these songs that she just released not yes. too long ago about being in the valley and the valley. being down in the depths of a canyon 
and that's where the river flows. Like that's where, that's where his presence is, you know? But at the same time, it's also true. Like we're going to see Jesus weep in a couple chapters. Yes. So it's also, it doesn't, this truth, the other thing that I think we want to do with this truth is we want, we try to like, oh, well, here's the reason, but we're also trying to like, it's fine. The suffering's fine. The suffering's not fine. No, no. <laughs> and no. so I think that we can hold this and we can also hold the truth that suffering is hard and it's real. And sometimes it does not end on this side of heaven. That's right. And that's, that's really, right. really hard. Very, very, very painful. And yeah. even sitting with this passage, this verse six, after he said these things, he spit on the ground. He made some mud from the saliva and he spread the yeah. mud in his, eye, his eyes. Go, he told him, go and wash. So he left and he came back seeing. It is absolutely, and you go back, what is that, verse 15. He put mud on my eyes, I washed and I can see. The whole passage feels so counterintuitive. If you want to see, why would you put mud on your right. eyes? Right, that's the opposite, like it, yeah. It's the exact opposite. And I think to sit again with God's ways are not our ways. Yeah. There is going to be mystery what... Like in that moment, he's like, I want to see him. What are you doing? You're putting, he says, I'm the light of the world. And then he spreads mud on my eyes. Like the two don't seem to dovetail. Can I trust that even when I don't think he's working, he yeah. is working all of the time? Can I trust mm-hmm. what feels like mud on my eyes? In the hands of Christ, he's redeeming that so that I, the eyes of my heart are opened in ways I would never imagine. Mm-hmm. So what feels like a muddy, messy mire that doesn't yeah. feel like liberation, that doesn't feel like I'm being set free, that doesn't feel like I'm getting to see, give it time and wait. That There might be a miracle in the midst of that that allows me to see God, a fresh revelation of God that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Yes, yes. And the beauty of this story, it just keeps going. And I love that later, so, you know, this man is just, every, he's the talk of the town at this point. <laughs> Everyone has is noticing and they want to know, you know, who did this and why yeah. is, is he, but he's a sinner, this man who did this. And he has this mic drop moment in verse 25 where he says, whether or not he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind. And now I can see. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I I sat with that and just realized, no, we need to have our own test. Because the next verse is, then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your... Do we have a testimony? Can we say... Yeah, that's good. Can we say, I was blind, but now I see. There's been several stories over the last couple of years of of people who've who've walked away from the faith. They sat with scripture. They had some big questions. They didn't think they could find answers, and they walked away. Yeah. But once you have encountered God, you know that you know that you know. You can't unknow Him. You've yeah. experienced the living God. And so here, one thing I do know, I was blind, and now I see. Each of us need to have an encounter with the living God where we know that wasn't coincidence. That wasn't yeah. accidental. The living Word that we encounter in the pages of Scripture, He breathes and moves in our every day, and we can encounter Him and be changed so that we have a testimony that regardless of what terrible thing happens at some point in our future, we can say, well, I know that I've encountered God at this right. point in my life. So when I hit this terrible incident, I can say, I don't understand this, but I know that yeah. God is still on the throne. I know He's still in control, and I can trust Him That's right. even in the midst of this valley. 
That's right. And that even our circumstances, like even this physical blindness, the true freedom that this man finds comes here, the latter verses of this chapter, which they, you know, he gets tossed out because they're, you know, they're so frustrated with the whole situation. And they're like, well, you are for sure a sinner. So out you go. And I love this verse 35, Jesus heard they'd throw the man out. And when he found him, so the subtext here is he went looking for him. So Jesus, when Jesus found him, he asked, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? Like, I, you can hear it as well. Like, I, mm-hmm. I want to, I want to. Mm-hmm. Jesus answered, you have seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. I believe, Lord, he said, and worshiped him. And so this is this sight, this spiritual blindness yes. that then becomes sight. Yes. That is the freedom, the true freedom. And ultimately, without the word, the world warps. Without the lens of scripture, none of us can see anything clearly. And we said earlier, everything in the world is trying to form us and shape us to say, this is true reality. This is real. But if we don't stay in this story, Mm -hmm. we don't have real eyes to see what the real landscape of God's kingdom is and what the very treacherous landscape of the world is. So to stay here is what gives us sight. That's right. Hey friends, Rachel here. Jumping in real quick to talk to you again about the She Reads Truth subscription box. Amanda and I believe that reading God's Word daily is what helps you to grow in your confidence and your understanding of the Bible. That's why our mission is to help you become a man or woman in the Word of God every day. The She Reads Truth subscription box is the best way to do that. It gives you everything you need to make reading your Bible every day a reality. You'll get every new study book as it releases delivered straight to your door every month. So you never have to plan what to read next or remember to order. All you have to do is go to shereadstruth.com slash subscribe to sign up and make this year the year you go deeper into God's Word than you ever have before. Again, that's shereadstruth.com slash subscribe. Friends, as we get ready to walk into a new year together, I want to walk more confidently in light of God's promises to me. Amen? We cannot wait to open up our newest study book with you. It's called Do Not Fear, a biblical study on responding to God's faithfulness. This is a three-week plan where we are going to look at different narratives from the Old Testament and the New Testament, situations where people were afraid and where there were circumstances to provoke fear. And we're going to see how God's faithful character enables believers to respond differently, not because of who we are, but because of who He is. It's normal for us to feel unrest about the future. And boy, are we thinking about the future right now as we head into a new year. But Scripture reminds us that we are never alone. So join us in this study called Do Not Fear as we pursue a grounded response to fear and as we learn to deepen our trust in the God who walks with us in every circumstance. Head over to shopshereadstruth.com and get a sneak peek of this powerful, practical study and place your order today. That's shopshereadstruth.com. We have all of the, you know, John gives us seven I am statements from Jesus. And we have an extra in the study book where it lists them all, but we get two in this day. And 
we're going to hear them. I know we're, I'm just looking at the clock going, at some point we're going to run out of time, but I really would love for you to read this for us, Anne. Yeah, yes. Let's do John 10, 7. Mm. Mm. I mean, just seven until you want to stop. <laughs> it goes, it's so good. Okay, I'm going to. Maybe uh, through 18. Yeah. It's really yeah, good. right? I think so. Okay. Jesus said again, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life in abundance. Yes. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees the wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he's a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from the sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my father. Oof. I remember being in um, Israel in a, a sheepfold. It's really actually a lot like a cave. And mm-hmm. bring the sheep in. And then our guide, who was a messianic Jewish man who loved scripture. Oh, I'd never been with anyone who knew his Bible so well. And he said, like, Jesus says, I am the gate, I am the door. He's laying himself across in mm. front of this cave so that no animals can come in, the sheep to go out, go over top of them, any animal to come in. Everything goes through him. Jesus literally embodies what it means to be a gate and a door because he cares about his sheep. Try and God has a compassionate heart towards mm-hmm. us that he's not allowing the wolf to come steal, kill, and destroy yeah. us. I think it's Kay Arthur always said, remember doing her Bible studies years and years and years ago, she always said, nothing comes into my life unless it's filtered through fingers of love. Nothing comes into the oh, sheepfold. Yeah. Nothing comes through the sheepfold unless it comes through Christ himself. He allows it. He protects me in all circumstances. I am soul safe. It might not look that's like it's right. the world, but that's I am right. soul safe in him. Oh, that's so good. I. It's funny that you... That's such a vivid image that you're painting from being in Israel and seeing Mm -hmm. those real life places. Mm -hmm. I have here a little snippet from the New American Commentary and the man who wrote this. I actually don't. Someone else's. You guys listening may know this gentleman, but it's Gerald. It looks like Bosher. Okay. I don't know the name, but... Listen to this. He was talking about, you know, being in Israel and how like, you know, we can read this about the sheep, you know, know my voice Mm -hmm. and think, 
Okay, sure. But the shepherd's main job is to just like herd them around and, you know, keep them safe. Yeah. But, but he was like, there's an intimacy here and a care here that wouldn't really be apparent to us in like our like modern Western society. And so he was saying that. <laughs> that he had taught in Israel. I love that this first person account is in this commentary, but it says that early morning, the shepherd, like Bedouin shepherds would start to lead their sheep out of the sheepfold. And you you have sheep. Don't you have sheep? Well, I was just going to say, I have sheep. And Daryl yeah. says all the time, my husband says all the time, I go in and I call them and they never come for me at all, Anne. And <gasps> you come in and I cry. I come in and I call their names and they come all the way across the field to come oh. with me. Like it's, when you read it, it gets really true. The sheep do know yeah. their shepherd's voice. So he said that there were four combined flocks right. yes. in the yes. sheepfold. And as each shepherd would come in and start to, and they would sing. They wouldn't just like holler. They would sing so and call for the daylight feeding and that that individual shepherd's flock would come out from among yes. the others. And then yes. the next one would sing and those sheep would go. And so this is a very like, it's a very real and intimate connection that the sheep have with the shepherd. And so just that Jesus would use this illustration and especially in light of all that's happening, right? Like he's saying this, he is getting very, very close to the point of having to, his life is threatened at this point. And it's about to really be when we read the next chapter. (laughs) And he is so misunderstood I find that being misunderstood is one of the most painful things mm. about being human. Mm. Mm. <laughs> it is one of the hardest things for me when someone misunderstands my intentions. And so just to see Jesus in the midst of everything, like you said, like God is always working. And here's Jesus incarnate. He is being very intentional in all of his interactions. He's being so compassionate and so loving. He is also in the process of laying down his life, even as he's saying these words, because he is letting it be known who he is in measure. Just these, mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. just kind of like as it's yes. time. And yet he is also the God who is our shepherd. <laughs> we have no lack, you know. We have yeah. no lack. Mm-hmm. We, we find green, it says, and go out and find pasture. In him, there is always green pastures. Mm-hmm. Your example there, Amanda, of the four different flocks and hearing the right shepherd's voice and going to that shepherd, it's formational. How much time have we spent listening to Jesus' voice? listening to the Word, how much time have we spent with our Bibles open so that we know His voice as opposed to when a screen calls us, when a voice and a noise of the world calls, do we go that way because that's actually shepherding us more than His Word is shepherding us. I want to ignore. Yes. Yes, that's exactly it. I want to ignore those voices the way that your sheep ignore your husband. Yes. (laughs) You know? They don't. They don't come at all for him. <laughs> and I come in and I call each of their names and they come across the field. And for me, it's really powerful to go every day and to sit with the sheep. The spiritual metaphors are so rich and so convicting. For mm-hmm. Do I come and follow Jesus' voice? Is his voice the one that I want the most? Or am I attracted and lured away by the things of this world? Yeah. I love to talk about theology and doctrine and 
all the tiny nuances of scripture and I love all of this so much and I think that's good. But also, <laughs> and <laughs> there is a very real sense in, you know, where the gospel really is as simple as what you just said. I just want to follow him. Mm-hmm. Like just following a sheep following the shepherd. That's it. It says knowing his voice. What does it mean to know his mm-hmm. voice? If you look in the Old Testament, that word know, to know God. Mm-hmm. No, is yada. It's like Adam knew Eve, that kind of deep intimacy. So I have yeah. that kind of deep intimacy with Jesus that I so know his voice, that I so know his heart, that my thoughts are held captive by his heart so that I go his way. The world literally is trying to form us and lure us in different directions all the time, but am I bonded to him? Is mm-hmm. my deepest attachment to him? And so I'm not in bondage to the world. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that phrase soul safe that you, yeah, that yeah. you use in the same chapter in John 10, yes, where he says yes. it again in verse 27, he says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. That is soul safety. That is soul safety. Mm -hmm. That is soul safety. Everything else can give way, Amanda. But God keeps me. Like I mean, my prayer over time is, Lord, just keep me. Keep me, Lord. Keep me in your hand. Keep me close to you. Keep me so close to you that I want to keep your word and keep your commandments. That God keeps us soul safe in Him. And then us in turn can love Him back by keeping His commandments. Not because we're trying to earn anything, but because we don't want to grieve the one who keeps us soul safe. Yeah. Oh, yes. Amen. Let that be so, Lord. So we get in chapter 11, this just tender story, and it's heartbreaking. It's a heartbreaking story. I mean, with a glorious end, yes. But let's read a little bit of that. Anne, would you read just those first? Let's just start with the first seven verses that kind of sets the stage for us. This is John 11. Now a man was sick, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. And it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sister sent a message to him, Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after that, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. So they Mm. clearly, Jesus clearly loves these people. And it says, says in verse five, now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, Mary, and Lazarus. So when he heard he was sick, he stayed two more days. He waited He waited to go because he loved them. Can we sit with the mystery that God is always good and I am always, always, always loved, Mm -hmm. even when the circumstances that I see with my own eyes don't seem to coincide with those two truths. Right. Even when they seem to be 
the opposite yes, of what you think yes. a loving response would be. From yes, the Lord. but I mean, it's very interesting. Sit with five. It's called out. Jesus loved them. So you have to say that is truth. Right. And they actually know it because you go back, Lord, the one you love is sick. They know Jesus loves them. And then so hard to realize. So when he heard, he stayed two more days. He waited. And I sit with the mystery that I don't understand, but trusting, trusting. And verse four, but the son of God will be glorified through this. The son of God Mm -hmm. will be glorified through this. And when you go to verse 35, Jesus wept. Jesus is with us in the suffering. He is Mm -hmm. not indifferent. He is not apathetic. God feels with us. Yeah. And so he goes, he waits the two days, and then he travels. So time has passed. So when he gets, it says in verse 17 that when Jesus arrives, so he's going from Jerusalem to Bethany, which it says in scripture, it gives us a parenthetical less than two miles. So he could have in theory, could have gone pretty quickly, but he chose to wait. It says when he arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days, which is a long time. And there's something that happens in day three. And I know this, do not be impressed with my knowledge. This is also from a commentary, but the belief of the culture of the day was that the spirit would kind of wait around for like three days in hopes of kind of reentering. And then on the third day, would be ushered into shale. So so this four days matters. Mm. He was dead and now he was dead, dead and gone. And Martha says, you know, she hears that Jesus is coming and she goes out to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, this is verse 21, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Mm-hmm. Yet even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. And I love this. She essentially says, yeah, yeah, I know. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So she's talking about like the ultimate resurrection, right? But Jesus says to her, I, here's another I am statement. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? He asks Martha. And she says, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who comes into the world. So even then, she's hearing what he's saying, but she's not really understanding what he's saying. But she is proclaiming. She is sitting in probably the most painful mystery of her life. And she is still proclaiming. She's proclaiming, I believe you are the Messiah. Even even as I am confused at this very moment by what you just did or what you're not doing, I believe this. And they go and and see him. So powerful. Like your verse 26, Mm -hmm. everyone who lives and believes in me never die. Do you believe this? He's handed her like the most cosmic revolutionary truth <laughs> that he's going to crush the head of the enemy with his heel. That's right. That's and right. He's going to kill death. That's verse 25. Verse 35 is Jesus wept. Even though he knows that he's going to slay death, he weeps with us in the interim. Yeah. He suffers with us. He doesn't negate the pain and the That's grief right. at all. He's in it with us, even though, so he's crying, even though, again, 
On the other hand, can we hold it in tension? We know the truth is everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. That's right. I can just hear Martha choke out that, yes, Lord. <laughs> like, can you even imagine? Yes, and then yes. Mary, Mary, who, you know, loves Jesus so much that she will wash his feet with her hair and expensive perfume. She comes out and she says the exact same thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And it says here, Anne, this just very much like in verse 35 and verse 33, it says, when Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you put him? He asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. And then that's when it says Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. Regardless of what our circumstances look mm-hmm. like, we can give yeah. thanks. His love endures forever. His love is everlasting. Right. He that's loves right. us regardless and always. He knows He knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Yes. And yet he has such deep compassion and so moved by our tears. Weeps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is God. This is God weeping. <laughs> this is yes. Jesus is is the second person of the Trinity. Jesus is God incarnate, and He is troubled and moved and moved to the point of weeping by the grief that His friends that He loves are experiencing, and by the death of His dear friend. And you guys are going to keep reading this story, and you're going to read <laughs> how. Lazarus becomes an actual, like, walking, breathing picture of the gospel of Jesus oh. Christ, where Jesus says, Lazarus, come out, and Lazarus oh, comes oh. out and is unwrapped and freed from the bondage of his grave clothes. Yes. And just what a foreshadowing, a beautiful foreshadowing of how Jesus himself is going to so, come out. Well. But Lazarus died again at some point, right? Lazarus yes. was not... But Jesus, Jesus, when Jesus came out of the grave, Jesus went to heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father, and He's alive, and and His Spirit is in us. We talked about that with Jeannie so much last week, that the actual Spirit of the living Christ is filling us up right now, and how even just saying that to each other and remembering that is such a ministry to our hearts. But yeah, this is the same Jesus. It just blows my actual mind. <laughs> I mean, to the extent that we end up we end up like Mary mm-hmm. who anoints Jesus. That's right. With the precious priceless perfume. Yeah. How can we not that we are so moved by who this this King Jesus is, this yeah. Messiah, this fulfillment of all these Old Testament prophecies. This is the God Himself who will come and sacrifice Himself on the cross for my sins. Yes. How can we not then live a poured out life? Yeah. The costliness of that perfume, that we might be the fragrance of Christ, anointing Him for His death, that burial, and that ultimate resurrection, that we now would live poured out lives because we are so passionately grateful for the one who we are all like Lazarus. In Christ, we are so safe. We will rise again in Him. That's right. That's right. And you all, this story 
I mean, the book of John, you're going to keep reading. I want you to read this week, all of this that we've talked about and more. I believe that the Lord is going to meet you in mm. these passages of Scripture wow. and the same, just like He's met us, <laughs> two friends across oh. the screen who just needed, we needed this. I needed this when I sat on my sofa this morning and read it, and I needed it again as I'm sitting here this afternoon with you, friend, and this moment of Lazarus. I'm going to leave us with this image. Listen to this scene and just picture it here in John 12. So it's six days before Passover. There's going to be a lot of people milling around, right? Like this is becoming very public. Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, the one Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him. Martha was serving them. Isn't that like our Martha? Lazarus was one of the ones, right? Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Casual Lazarus, who was raised (laughs) from the dead, is now reclining at the table with him. And Mary, once again, Mary at Jesus' feet. This time, she takes a pound of perfume, pure and expensive nard, anoints Jesus' feet, wipes his feet with her hair, and the house is filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And the very next day is when we have the triumphal entry. The very next day is that Hosanna moment. And, you know, Jesus is setting his eyes on the cross that he knows is ahead of him. And at this point forward, it's no holds barred. Like everyone is just going to be after him. And this is our shepherd. This is the shepherd that is that is tender and gracious and merciful and he is strong yes. and powerful and mighty yes. and yeah. he is the one who's going to show us the gate who is the way the truth and the life the door mm-hmm. himself mm-hmm. is going to show us now the way to live john 23 truly i tell you unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies it remains by itself but if it dies it produces much fruit mm-hmm. the one who loves his life will lose it and the one who hates his life in this world We'll keep it for eternal life. He's going to the cross. He's going to show us what it means to live cruciform. He's going to call us to not keep our own lives, but to actually live cruciform, to sacrifice our whole lives. And there is fruit out of the giving away of our lives. He's going to show us by the end of that John 12, what it means to actually live the way of Jesus. That's right. You know, and I want to keep talking to you about John. (laughs) For I know, the rest so, of the afternoon. Yes. <laughs> but oh. in our study books, we pair scripture with scripture so that, you know, all of scripture can inform our reading. And I love, love, love this passage that we have at the end of Friday's reading. We get just three verses from Isaiah, but it's the three verses that begin this passage that's called the Messiah's Jubilee. Mm. And This description of Jesus (laughs) Mm. is just really something. And I, as I was reading it this morning, I thought, if we do nothing else today, I want to hear Ann Voskamp read (laughs) these three verses. It's what Jesus has done for us. And it's now the way of Jesus, what he calls us to do. Isaiah 61, 1 to 3. Messiah's Jubilee, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty 
to the captives and freedom to the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair, and they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify him. Thus saith the word of the Lord. Yes, thanks be to God. Oh, friend. Oh, oh, thank you. Oh, oh. (laughs) how do we? There's nowhere else we want to stay. We just want to stay in His story. Keep opening our Bibles and abiding in the Word that we may abide Mm -hmm. in Him. My, oh, my, Amanda Bible. Yes, yes. We will make the Word our home. I think you said that earlier. That's that's what I want. And I, this conversation and you're helping us do that. Oh, and I thank you. Thank, thank you for you, Amanda. your time and your, oh, and your heart. And you just, it really is a gift the way that you allow us as, you know, the world at large <laughs> to enter some of these mm-hmm. sacred spaces with you. You have a real mm-hmm. gift for being, being vulnerable in ways that give us yeah. permission to to trust the Lord. And I'm grateful I've to you for Lazarus that. I've been Lazarus in my own grave clothes and I have been, <laughs> Mary at his feet, just so grateful that he still took me, yeah. that he still keeps me, that he still takes me. If yeah. Jesus is moved by our tears, I am so moved by his love for us. Yeah, yeah. Oh, friends, we're going to come back mm. next week and we're going to keep <laughs> reading the book of John. It keeps going. We've got two more weeks to go. Our friend Vanitha Rendell Reiser is going to be with us next week. What a woman of God. Oh, you are in for the greatest treat. My, oh, my. We have been, this is something that she and we have wanted to do for a long time and, you know, schedules and stuff. And so we're, this is, it's going to be wonderful. I'm so excited. So everyone come back. You have... Her Anne's oh, instructions. Oh, oh, Come back oh, next oh. week. Anita <laughs> is a woman who lives in the Word and then embodies and walks out the ways of Jesus. Uh, well, I cannot wait. Until next week, Anne, what do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bibles. 